If you were here with us during the Bible study period this morning, you heard Justin Maynard give a, a presentation of the work he's doing, and you could tell by the enthusiasm that he gave it that he really loves doing this work. He works in Tanzania, he and his wife Anna, and uh, they do a great work there. We are going to be supporting Justin in uh, 2017, and uh, we're just lucky to have men and women like this couple that are willing to go and live in a farm land and in great hardship. Uh, it's not a great place to live, but you can tell they love it. And so uh, we're going to hear from him this morning. He'll be presenting God's Word. I'd like to thank the elders and the church for allowing me to be here today and this morning and talk about the work that we, we do really love and um, I appreciate your great attention this morning. Um, if you will bear with me, I'm still learning to preach a little. Um, my acts of you were here this morning, you know my first gospel sermon ever was in Africa, so I've learned to preach there. So coming to America, it's a lot different. Um, we have a lot of people that come over and they're, they're worried about the whole translator thing. And that's all I've ever known. So when I preach over there, I get, I get to say my thoughts and then I have someone else repeat it. And while they're repeating it, I get to gather my thoughts back up. And when I get to America, they expect me to, just, y'all expect me just to keep talking and talking and talking. And if you know any of my personality, you know that that's not me. I have a hard time even holding a conversation for about 10 minutes. Now, if my wife was to get up here, she could talk to y'all for two or three hours and not even having notes or anything. That, that's more her thing. So, um, if you will bear with me as I go through this. Now, every time um, I get the opportunity to preach, probably the hardest thing for me is coming up with uh, the topic. I, that's, that's usually the part that takes the most time for me when I'm trying to prepare what I want to talk about because it's, it's, it's important. This, this opportunity for us to be here today, to study God's Word together here, to worship God, it's, it's important. And you always want to talk about something that... Um, that means a lot to you and that will mean a lot to the people that you hope that will encourage them and that they can leave church um, feeling strengthened or know something about their life that they can leave and change and become a better Christian. So tonight or this morning, I want to talk to you about something that's kind of changed in my life over this past year um, um, and how I've grown spiritually. And, and I want to give you some, some ways, the way I think that I was able to accomplish this. Um, I'll start with a story. When I first got to Africa... I had all these, these big plans. I had all these dreams and things that I wanted to get done. Being from America, and I was a general contractor, had a list of all these things. I wanted to get them done, and I wanted them done in a timely fashion, and I wanted them done quickly and in the right way. Well, I soon learned over there, you know, things take a lot longer. Things don't always work the way you want them to work. That's just the way of life. You can always 100% of the time guarantee if you plan something, it's not going to go the way that you plan. That's really the only thing you can guarantee over there. Um, so every time I mentioned something or something I wanted to do, something with the farm I wanted to do, I always was met with, you know, we can't do that. The guy's always like, well, you know, that's never been done here. We can't do these things. And so after several days and weeks of this, and I kept saying, well, let's try this. And like, oh, we can't do this. I finally, one day, as we were talking, I said, 
they, they come with me and they, I was like, well, I want to, during the short rains, I want to try planting beans this year. I know that's something we've never done. I want to plant these things and, and see if we can't produce a good crop of beans. Well, all the guys agree that, you know, this, this is not possible. There's no way that we can grow green beans during the short rain. And just out of passing, I said, just, you know what? You guys just have to have faith that God will help us do this. You know, that, that God will, will provide the rains that we'll be able to produce this bean crop. Well, that answer seemed to be sufficient. And I said that. They all, you know, nodded and they, they agreed. So I started using that every time that they, uh, they come to me and said something wasn't possible. I said, oh, you guys just got to have faith and all we have to do is pray about it and, you know, these things will come to pass. Well, it was later on. It was time to plant the beans. We get the beans in the ground and uh, the rains start. And so the short rains usually last two months. Um, they always last two months. It's, it's something that's regular over there. So this started, we got the first month of rain. It rained very good, a lot more than usual that year. Um, the next month, it, it continued to rain. And we were way over the average amount of rain we were supposed to get. Our beans were doing great. Well, the third month rolled around, and it never rains that third month. Well, it kept raining. Um, it, it wouldn't stop raining. And uh, one day, we were, we were sitting around and uh, watching it rain. And Augustine said, hey, um, I believe you now. And so... Honestly, when he said that to me, I had no idea what he was talking about. I was like, well, what are you talking about? And he said, well, every time we say something's not possible, you always tell us that, you know, we have faith and go pray that these things are possible. But there's a problem. You, you've had too much faith and we need to stop praying and we need this rain to stop. Well, you know, that kind of, that kind of, at, at the time, that kind of hit me the, hit me the wrong way because, um, I'd been saying all these things, and to be 100% honest with you, I'd, I'd kind of been saying them in jest. I'd kind of been saying these things to, to get them to, you know, allow, to get going on these projects. I hadn't really taken it to heart like I should, but they had. They had been going home every day and praying for all these things, and then coming back and seeing that they were being successful, and because of that, they believed in God and, and, their, and their faith grew. That's one, that's one of the biggest differences over there I see than over here. Um, the African people have a huge faith. They have a big faith. And they do that because um, when your child gets sick over there, you, you have two options. You pray to God and your child either, either lives or they die. There's, there's not a lot of health care. Um, you wake up in the morning and um, you don't have the money or food to eat. Um, you pray that, and have to take on faith that God will take care of you for that day. In America here, we have a lot of things that kind of numb us to, to having to rely on God. And I'm not saying these things are bad. I'm happy that we have these things and our advancement is, is good. But they kind of they numb us to our reliance on God. And so I want to talk for a minute today about how, how we can build our faith, how we can have that big faith like the Bible talks about that, that moves mountains. How do, we, how do we grow our faith? Well, first let's talk about what faith is. Let's see if I get this thing. Oh, it's on the back. Faith in Hebrews... 111. It says, Now faith is assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. So basically, biblical faith is a belief in something that you can't necessarily prove. It's just believing in something that we can't put our finger on or touch and say, hey, this is, this is what we believe, this is why. So we have to take these things with not knowing 100%. Um, so, so to have faith, to have the Bible says, first we have to, to hear um, that's what uh, Romans 10:17 says. So that faith comes to hearing, hearing the word of Christ. So after we hear the word, then we have to we have to believe that word. So the uh, Bible reading today was Matthew 7:24. Um, this story is about the wise man who built his house on the solid ground and it would stand, and then the foolish man who built his house in the sand. I want to take, I want to propose to you today for a moment that. So I want to look at the first verse of that, Matthew 7, verse 24, that this is how we build our faith. This is how we take our faith 
to that next level. This verse right here. It says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, that's the key. See, not only do we have to hear it, like Romans 10, 17 says, then we have to turn around and do it. So when we, when we step out and we, we hear God's Word and we do God's Word, that's when our faith gets bigger. That's when our faith grows. That's when we grow as Christians. Just like Augustine, when he went home every day and prayed that that rain would come and that rain continued way past it was supposed to, his faith grew because he knew God had taken care of him and taken care of the crops and helped us be successful. So... I want to uh, look at some examples in the Bible that, that prove this point. Let's take some of the examples of a lot of the Old Testament. There's one in the New Testament we'll look at that prove that, that or that show that this, this is true. Take out Noah, for example. Um, God came to Noah, and from the, as far as we know, there was no rain at that time. All we'd ever seen was a dew coming up from out of the ground that was providing for the crops. And, and God came to Noah and said, hey, I need you, I need you to build an ark. Um, we actually had the opportunity to go to Kentucky to see this thing. Um, it's huge. It's not a little boat. It's just massive. I've heard the stories about the ark, and I, I, I went, but I've never realized how big this thing is. And so the thing that God told Noah to go and build this monster ship, and then, and then he did it. Even though at the time it probably made no sense. And you know people at that time were probably watching Noah. So what is Noah doing? What, what can he, why is he doing these things? But God told Noah to build the ark, and what did he do? He did it. How about Abraham, for example? Um, Abraham was told to uh, pack up his things and go in uh, Genesis 12. Um, we, when we, uh, we actually kind of did this. You know, we, we boarded a plane, headed to Africa, but Abraham was a totally another story. So we knew that there was going to be someone there to pick us up. We knew where we were going. We could actually get on MapQuest and look at the house and, and different things like that nature. Um, Abraham didn't have GPS. He didn't have Garmin. He didn't have his smartphones to tell him where he was going. He just packed up and started walking. And he had to rely on God. Now, you know, if you were to see this, you'd be thinking, what was Abraham doing? Packing up his family, taking all these things, and he's just leaving. And if you ask him where he's going, he had no clue. He just, he just said, you know, God will lead me. We can take Abraham again when he was asked to uh, offer his son Isaac. Um, this, this is a, not only was he asked to offer his son God had also promised him that um, his, his family would be numbered and then they would come through, come through Isaac. So this is almost like Abraham, God going back on his promise to Abraham here. How could Abraham have that much faith to, to go up and, and offer his son? That would seem crazy. I know many of you, I'm not a parent, but many of your parents, that would be crazy to think that you could actually offer your son. Um, but God told Abraham to do this and Abraham went up and very well was going to do it. Um, you take uh, Joshua. Here, swap over. Joshua here. Um, this is a story that we hear a lot in Bible um, Bible classes. A lot of our children know this story. Um, in Joshua six, um, told them to march around the walls of Jericho. Here, um, now I'm no general in the army, but if, if there's one here, I guarantee you they would tell you that this made no sense whatsoever to, ha- to tell your army, "Hey, we're just going to march around seven days, play our trumpets, and then you know we win that battle." You know, these the, the people here had to. Think, um, that if the, if the walls would not have fallen, people of Israel thought Joshua was crazy to have them just march around thinking that you know like our trumpets were going to knock down the wall. This this made no sense whatsoever. But God told Joshua to do it, and what did Joshua do? He, he did it. Uh, one of my favorite stories um, in the Bible is Gideon. Um, this is one of my favorite battle stories of the, of the Old Testament. Um, Gideon was going up against the Midianites. He had 35,000 men going up 135. 
or 32,000 men, I'm sorry, going up against 135,000 men. So even at the beginning of the story, this is going to be a major uh, win. This would be a huge success, and, and God would definitely have been glorified by this. But you know what God said? That's, that's too many. So he tells, um, uh, tells uh, Gideon to tell all the people they're scared that they can just go on home. So they left, and so there's 10,000 versus 135,000. So again, you know, this would be a huge win for, for the Israelites, for Gideon, for the army that, that would glorify God. But God says, that's still not enough. So he tells them to go down and, and drink water and all the ones that would lap it up like dogs, they could hang around and, and could fight for him. So he gets down to the 300 men. So you have 300 going against 135,000. That's, that's crazy. There's no way that anyone would go to battle with that number. It just it seems, it seems like this guy would be crazy to walk up with 300 to fight against 135,000. But, hey, God told Gideon to do it. And what did he do? He, he, he did it. Um, take Peter, for example. After Jesus had fed the 5,000, Jesus sent his disciples out to the boat and while they went to the mountain to pray, or while he went to the mountain to pray, and that night he comes to them walking on the water. And at first, you know, they were scared. They didn't know who he was. But when they noticed they were Jesus, Peter says, Jesus, if it's you, command me to come out. Let me come out there with you. So what did Peter do? Or Jesus commanded him to and Peter steps out of the boat and he's walking on water. Now, what do all these stories have in common? If you look at all these stories, and you take away Jesus out of the picture, these are crazy stories. If you were to read these stories in a book or a history book or somewhere other than the Bible, you would think, and with no context to God, you would think, you know, these guys are crazy. There's, there's something wrong with these people, you know, going to battle with all these people or, or doing these things, walking on water. These things are not possible. But with God, all these things are possible. And see, that's, that's what we have to realize, and that's what we have to do. In order to have a big faith, our faith has to be one that does. We have to step out of the boat like Peter and trust in God. And so a big faith is not one that is sitting still or hiding. A big faith is one that is not always doing what is comfortable. That's the key. We can't always be doing what, what we're comfortable doing. Now, I'm not saying that all of you have to leave your home to go out and be missionaries. I'm not preaching this morning as a missionary. Um, I'm, I'm just preaching as a, as a fellow Christian. You don't have to leave your home and, and, and leave to, to build big faith. There's, there's things that you can do here that, that are uncomfortable. Actually, I'll be honest with you, um, moving to Africa for me and my wife um, was not really that big a deal. Um, we're kind of we're kind of strange people. Um, we, we, didn't, we didn't mind. We were excited to get to go and experience Africa for a year. That wasn't a huge anxiety for us in, in our Christian faith at all. Um, but to be honest with you, me getting up here in front of you today, um, the, anxiety, the anxiety level that I feel before I preach is almost unbearable. Um, it's, hard to, it's hard to explain and express in words how, how nervous I get. I do not sleep. Um, I didn't sleep at all last night. I just sat in bed and watched the, the cars drive by as the lights went in and out of the window. Um, that's the way I do every time I get to preach. Um, I'm sitting up there. My hands are shaking. My, my, um, my heart's beating. I really do feel like I'm going to throw up. I, I joked about that this morning, but I, it's a true feeling in my gut. Every time before I stand up here and preach, it's not comfortable. I do not feel comfortable in ties um, or coats. Actually, when we arrived back in the States, um, we went to Unclaimed Baggage. If you've never had the opportunity to go there, it's a pretty neat place. And I bought this coat, my pants, and my shoes, I think, for $30. And so that, that, I never even had it. I had to get on, uh, I had to, get on to um, not Facebook, but uh, the thing where you go look at videos, YouTube, and learn how to tie a tie. That's, I mean, that's, that's truthfully what I had to do to, 
this is not this is not comfortable for me. But I do it because I love Africa, I love the work, I love Christians, and I love spreading the gospel. And so I do these things, and before I get up here every day, I sit down right there and I, I pray very, very, very hard because I know that if, if God's not with me when I get up here, it's going to be embarrassing for everyone. And so I, I just pray that He'll get me through this and that I can get through this anxiety, anxiety and I can, I can teach and preach and do the things that need to be done and that this opportunity to hear the gospel is not wasted for y'all. And so... You see, it's not just going to Africa or doing things like that to get you out of your comfort zone. I want you to take, for example, the person that, um, that you trust the most. Think of that person right now. Who's the person that you trust the most in this world? Now, did, did you just walk up to that person and say, hey, you're going to be my friend. I'm just going to trust you. If I need anything, I'm going to call you. No, these relationships are built. They're not something that happens overnight. So our Christianity, our faith in God has to be the same way. See, we have to step out of our comfort zone. We have to be doing things that we're not necessarily comfortable with so that we can build our faith, so that we can build our trust in God. If we're always doing things that are easy for us, if we're always doing things that we don't really worry about, how are we, how are we having to trust in God? How are we having to put our faith into God? Just like building relationships with other people, it's the, it's the same with Christ, it's the same with God. So I want you to look for a second back at a story again. Um, I want you to see why that um, God made him drop his army as far as he did. In Judges 7, 2, um, it says there, Lest Israel boast over me, my own hands save me. See, this is why God did this. This is why God took these people from um, the 32 down to the 10, down to the 3, is because he wanted them to know that this is me, that I'm the one that is in, deserves the glory here and not ourselves. See, a lot of times with the world that we live in today, we're trained just the opposite. We're trained to think that, you know, you know, look at me, look what I've done. I've been successful in my life. Um, I have this great house. I have this great car. You know, look what I've done and how much I've, I've gained. And that, those things in themselves are not bad. Um, I'm not downing anyone who has stuff. But the thing is, is the focus. Is the focus on me and what I've done? Or is the focus on, on God and what God has done for me and how I can use those things to then serve God. See, there's a different train of thought there. There are, there are people out in this world who, who focus on themselves and what they've done and what, how they can better themselves. And there's people in this world who focus on, I have these things because God has allowed me to have these things and I want to use these things to serve God. So that, that has to be the difference. And that's what Gideon, or the story of Gideon here is showing, that God wanted these Israelites to know that this is him. They couldn't go back and tell their buddies, say, we took you know, 300 guys out there and we beat up on these Midianites. You know, he did not want that, them to go back and do that. He wanted them to be 100% sure that God was working in their lives and that God was helping them so their faith could then grow. So, so I want you to think about your life. You know, this, you have this, this, uh, the parable of talents. Um, you think about that. There's, I'm going to paraphrase that. I'm not going to read that word for word. But, you know, the, the parable of talents, there's the, the, um, the, the I'll think of sorry, sorry. The, uh, the main guy there is leaving um, and he's leaving his money to his servants. Um, and so he leaves, you know, some for one guy, and there's a little less for the second guy. And those two guys go out, two servants go out, and they 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 use that money, and they then come back and give more money to their to their to their uh, king or leader. There, why well, can't I think of the word I'm looking for there? To their, um, that's embarrassing. Sorry, just bear with me. Um, and so uh, um, they go back and bring that to them, and so. When he gets that, when he gets that, he tells them, well done, faithful service. You know, they do what they were supposed to do. They took what they were given, they invested it, and they brought back more. But then we get to the uh, last servant who was given um, a little bit of money, and he comes back and he gives uh, his, uh, his uh, 
working on, I think, that's, uh, gives his, not owner, that would be, uh, gives uh, his master, there we go, sorry about that, gives his master, see, henceforth, if I could look back at my notes, I've been right on page with this. And so he gives his master, um, he brings back his master, what his master have given him. And so, we don't know about this servant. We don't know this guy was a bad guy. The scriptures never tell us. He could have been a great guy. He probably didn't have these sins in his life that we would think were, were great sins and we would think that he was a good guy. He might have been you know, a guy we would enjoy hanging out with we see in church so we would think, hey, this guy's a good guy. It doesn't tell us that. There's no inclination that this was, was a, a, a man who was a drunkard or a thief or you know, adulterous or these things that we think are bad things. All that it says that he did was he didn't do anything with what his master had given him. See, that's, that, that scares me about that parable. You know, God in this, God is the master in this and we're his servants. And when God gives us something to use, he expects us to, to use it for him. He expects us to invest that back into him and then bring him back the glory. So when you, when you think about your, your talents and your skills, I know this may sound crazy. Um, we all have different skills and abilities and talents that we have and we have to use those things for God. But I challenge you this morning to... Step out of your comfort zone to maybe do some things that you're not comfortable with, do some things that, that you're not necessarily your talents or they're not your, your, your main skills, and, and try new things to serve God. And sometimes you might figure out that, hey, I'm pretty good at some other things that I didn't realize I was because I was too scared. So maybe, you know, think, there's plenty of things that we can think of that we can do to, to build our faith to serve God. We all go to work every day and we come across people who, who are not Christians, right? And a lot of time in today's society, you know, it's, it's not it's not politically correct to talk about God. It's, it's uncomfortable to talk about God. It's uncomfortable to go and tell people, you know, about Jesus and our faith. But, hey... Jesus and God didn't always say it would be easy, didn't always say it would be comfortable. So maybe if you're too scared to do that, maybe you can pray to God, build your courage, and step out there and tell someone about your faith, tell someone about, about God. Or maybe your family. One of the hardest people to talk to is our family, and it's uncomfortable to talk to our family. There's, there's all these different things that we can do besides going out and being missionaries or stepping up here to preach. That, that we can do that are not always comfortable, they're not always in our comfort zone, they're not always within our ability, that we can do, that we can step out and we can, we can serve God, whether it's teaching a class or, or different things. But I encourage you today to, to step out, to, to do something that you're not necessarily comfortable with so that your faith will grow, so that you can build your trust in God. So the, it says up there, what are you doing? Um, what are you doing that you cannot be done apart from God to build your faith? That is a question today. What are you doing that's uncomfortable for you? What are you doing that's outside your realm of your norm of just living your daily life that is requiring you to, to sit down and be on your knees and praying to God for His help, for His encouragement, whether it's going through a struggle in your life or going through different things that you can do to serve Him? God is always there. And as we get through these hardships, as we get through these things that cause us anxiety, that, that bother us, we come out on the other side, just like all these people in the story, with a bigger faith. See, that, that's how we build our faith. If we're always comfortable, if we're always never, anything's going wrong in our lives that require us to, to really sit and, and, and talk to God and pour our heart and, and trust into God, then our faith's really never growing. Our Christianity is never really growing. And so I encourage you today to, to do some of these things, to turn your life over to God and, and, and trust Him and let Him lead your life. Uh, you never... Um, as long as you're open, as long as you're praying, God, God will direct you to where He wants you to be and where He wants you to be to serve Him the best that He can. So today, maybe 
maybe you've left your first love. Maybe you've not doing things that you know you're uncomfortable with and building your faith, and your your faith's kind of got stagnant. You're you're sitting still, and you're, you you may be coming to church, but you're not really doing anything to build your faith, doing anything that your faith is growing and that your love for God and Christ is growing. I encourage you today, if you need the prayers of the church to get get on fire again for God, to relight your fire, the church can do that as we uh, can pray for you. Or maybe you never started your walk with Christ. Maybe you've never been baptized into Christ. Um, If the church can do anything for you today, I would encourage you to come as we stand and sing our song.